going to read from uh, Matthew 24, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. If Chad can put that up on the screen. Jesus was leaving the temple grounds. His disciples, say disciples, pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they'll be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Think about this for just a minute. Anybody in construction? Anybody ever laid a foundation? Anybody know what that looks like? Think about the days of the Bible times when they did not have cranes. They did not have the, the, the luxuries and the power tools that we have now. They put these massive stones together and they were so precisely cut without saws that they set flush on the, on the stone below them. The architecture, if you've been to Israel, you've seen some of this stuff. And Jesus is saying, I don't care how precise you are. I don't care how great these buildings are, but they're all going to be demolished. Later, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when. Somebody say when. We're watching all the things take place today and we're asking when. When will his return be? The disciples were asking this 2,000 years ago. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? But Jesus told him, don't let anyone mislead you. Say false prophets. There are people that are out there and their assignment from the enemy is to, is to deceive you. Jesus says, don't let them deceive you. For many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah and they will deceive many. But you will hear of wars and threats of wars. Hello? But don't panic. Stay cool. He's got this. These things must take place. The end won't follow immediately. He's, he's kind of giving you a taste of when by saying that. Nation will go to war against nation. Amen? Kingdoms against kingdoms. Famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. Just yesterday... I saw that in Iceland, they, they've evacuated an entire town because the magna is coming up under the ground and the volcano's about to erupt. Has anybody seen what's going on in Iceland? If you saw the news yesterday, I saw that. But in all this will only be the first of birth pains for more is to come. You'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed hated all over the world because you are my followers, just as Jesus talking to the disciples, prophesying what's going to take place. Many will turn away from me. Many will betray and hate each other. There's more hate in the world right now than there ever has been before. We're taught to hate. We get up every morning, your social media says you need to hate people that don't look like you. You need to hate people that got more than you. You need to hate the way they got more than you. You need to hate the system that gave them more than you. False prophets will appear and deceive many people. Rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But, somebody say but. But the one who endures to the end. Can anybody endure to the end? Can anybody run the marathon, not the sprint? Is anybody willing to sacrifice and be obedient and do what it takes to get to the end so you will be saved? And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the all world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. 
Lord, we ask that you breathe on us today. We thank you for the worship and the team and the songs and the instruments and the shofar. And Lord, we thank you for the dance and we thank you for the young people that were on stage. We thank you for Pastor Mike's pastoral prayer and Pastor Nathan's charge and and all that he said. And Lord, right now, I just ask that you shut me up and that you speak up. Speak through me today. May it fall on receptive ears and may we all hear from you and no man, in Jesus' name, amen. This is called the Olivet Discourse because it was preached on the Mount of Olives. Has anybody been to Israel? Have you been on the Mount of Olives? You've seen the site where this actually took place. I've been there, I've seen it. It was written approximately about 60 to 65 AD, so it was after Jesus had departed. But 2,000 years later, we're still reading about it, talking about it. They say it's the second of most importance of the speeches, if you will, that Jesus gave. But I'm going to say it this way before I get started because I get, I get real passionate about what we see in the world today. I, I follow current events and, and passionate about trends, and I'm always thinking about what's going to happen next. And if I had been a disciple, probably been, probably been more like Peter kind of a loose cannon, kind of an aggressive chap. I probably would have cut off more than Malchus's ear. I don't think he was aiming at the ear. I think he meant to take his head off. But I find myself, much like you probably sometimes, you know, when God, what God, what's next God? What are you doing? What does that mean, God? Where does that fall on the prophetic calendar, God? And I get passionate about this word. Let me just say this about this word right now. This is the infallible, inspired, inerrant word of God. Don't let anyone tell you any differently. So when it says it, you believe it and you act upon it. Don't let teachers in schools tell you that this is not the truth. Don't let professors in college tell you you need to deconstruct your faith and ask the hard questions don't do that. Students, any students in the house? I got any Firebrand, Ignite, where are you? Any RSM? You guys, some of you guys, what we got? Okay. Don't let someone tell you that you've got one semester within school something that is contrary to what your parents have told you for 18 to 20 years. Parents, speak up in your house. Use this word. Use this sword. Do not be apologetic about what this Bible says. I'm sorry, I'm preaching. I, I came up here to teach today. Live your best life now. It's the Bible, it's the blueprint, it's the future, it's the master plan of the last days, it's the source of your strength. And it also tells you what's coming next. Jesus was very intentional in telling the disciples what's coming next what they should be looking for, wars and rumors of wars, out-of-balance situations, things that are taking place that we're seeing happen today. But there's no alternative interpretations, and it doesn't change. This book doesn't have to be culturally relevant. It doesn't have to have a global perspective. It's the Bible, and we need a biblical perspective in everything that we look at, everything that we see, everything that we do, and everything that we say. It's funny to me that we need the word more now than ever before, and I want to challenge you today with Isaiah 43, if you can put that up, Chad, Isaiah 43, 14. So I'm going from the New Testament 
backtracking to the Old Testament, the New Testament where Jesus was telling the disciples what was about to come, back to when Isaiah starts talking about what's about to come. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee into the ships that they are so proud of. Say proud. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path on the sea. I call this the reminder chapter. He's reminding them, don't you remember when I did this? Don't you remember when I did this? Don't you remember when I provided a way for you where there was no way? Can anybody claim that? I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like smoldering candle wick. But forget all that. Can you just see God? Can you just see how God? I did this. I did that. Don't you remember when I did this? Don't you remember when I did that? You remember I, I took you out of this. I, I let the waters crash in so you could cross over on dry land. And, but forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Check this out right here. For I am about to do something. Thank you, Chad. I want to challenge you today. I got challenged this week probably more than I've ever been challenged before. It was a weird week for me. I'll tell you a little bit about it, but... That word new just jumped all over me, and it's been all over me for the last three or four days. I can't get away from the word new because I'm the guy that's always looking at what's next. Everything I do has to have a performer. It has to have a budget. It has to have a plan. I've got I've to be strategic. I'm a, I'm a strategist. I'm, I'm a coach. I'm game planning. But that word new came up on me, and I thought, new is different than next. Don't miss new looking for next. I am about to do something. You remember all that stuff I did? Forget all that. I'm about to do something new. We always look for next. We're, we're planning for 2024. We're, we're working hard and we're doing our part. And I've told you we got to do our part for God to do his part. And our part is minimal. His part is monumental. But, but at the end of the day, God's telling us that there's something new. I'm doing something new. So I looked up the word new, and new appears in the Bible over 280 times. New and renew, renew your minds, appears over 300 times. That doesn't even count where we start talking about firsts, first and the last, first fruits, all the, all the relationships to the word first, a synonym of new, and it doesn't even refer to the word beginning, which is the impetus of the whole thing, where it all started. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. If you can't buy that, you can't buy anything else I'm selling you today. I can't help but think about it when I, when I think about creation and I think about evolution and I, I think about what they teach in our schools nowadays. And by the way, I don't know if you saw this or not, but this... This week, Tennessee is considering no longer taking federal funding from the government because they don't want to teach trash to our kids. Can you give a praise to Bill Lee and our government? One billion dollars 
No thanks, DC. We don't want to teach that junk. We don't want to teach hatred. We don't want to teach all division. We don't want to teach all that. We'll just keep it in-house, and our taxpayers will pay to teach the truth. So you need to pray for your governor. You need to pray for your state because that's a billion dollars they're turning down just so they can preserve truth in our schools. But when I think about in the beginning and I think about creation and I was taught evolution and you were taught evolution in the public schools, thank God for Christian schools and home schools and schools that teach the truth. But I think about the little boy that went to his mom and he said, mom, where did I come from? She said, well, son, you know, I mean, Genesis, Adam and Eve, and then Adam and Eve had children, they had children, they had children, 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 and then, you know, somewhere down the line, it came to me and your dad, and then, you, you know, that's how you got here. Well, being like I was, that little boy, he said, okay, I'm going to go ask dad. So he goes to ask dad, he said, dad, where did I come from? Dad said, well, son, you're in school, you know, they, they taught you that there was this big bang, and the big bang occurred, and then, you know, all of a sudden, these lizards we're all over the earth, and the lizards got tired of crawling around on all fours, so they stood up on back feet, on hind feet, on two feet, and then these lizards became apes. And that's where you came from. Little boy's confused. He says, hmm, that's two totally different sides of the story. He goes, go back to mom, mom. You know, you said that God created us and Adam and Eve, and we're derivatives of all those things, but dad says we came from apes. And mom said, that's his side of the family. And just so you know, when I was told that, it was in the reverse order, but I told somebody 70% of the church is women. So I'm not going to go there and say, Dad got it right. So I spent this week at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa and uh, had a board of trustees meetings and doing just the same thing. Just, it's, it's always budgets and buildings and budgets and buildings and budgets and buildings. And it seems like that's where I spend most of my time is budgets and buildings and budgets and buildings. And, you know, we're expanding here and we got all kinds of new stuff going on here, new children's areas here, working on the chapel over there and got to fix this thing over here where the fire took place and budgets and buildings. I go out there, they put me on the budgets and building committee. So here we are looking at finance again, but the highlight of the trip, we got to go see some of those new buildings. We got to go to the new science and engineering building. And I got to tell you what happened to me because it speaks to what's new. This is where this whole revelation came to me. I kind of got freaked out. Is anybody freaked out by new technology? Am I the only one that thinks things are a little bit weird? Am I the only one that was a little bit spooked of this AI? Artificial intelligence. I got one brother out of 2,000 people. So we get on the elevator and we're in the new science and engineering building, and, and we go up the elevator. The elevator door opens, and there's literally this Star Wars robot creature welcoming us off the elevator. Now, it's got a wheel on the bottom instead of legs and feet. It's got a, what would be like a torso, and it's got like a head, and on the head, there's this huge smart TV like this big, and there's literally a person in that smart TV saying, welcome. I'm like, you're weird. This is not good at all. In fact, I'm going back in the elevator. So then the professor comes over, and he's a doctor, and he's brilliant, and he starts telling us about this robot. And he starts talking about artificial intelligence, AI, and he starts talking about what's new. 
and how we can use the new and how not to be afraid of the new. And I'm like, man, I'm spooked by that thing. I've been told that artificial intelligence is gonna take over the world and, and that these robots are actually gonna somehow kill us. He said, that's not true. He said, don't believe the lie. Don't believe the deception. The, the Bible speaks of those that come to deceive you. And this brother's got a doctorate in every, every field of study there is, and, and not to mention in theology. So he's a good fit for me to understand how engineering and technology fits with the plan of God in the New Testament. He said this, I'll never forget it. He said, don't worry about it because AI can't feel love. Artificial intelligence can't feel hate. It is not intimidated or inspired by love and hate, and it certainly can't feel the agape love of God. Now, here's what got me. I immediately thought, and I talked to my wife about it. AI stands for artificial intelligence, but Jesus stood for authentic intelligence. See, Jesus could tell us the truth and tell us exactly what is going to happen. He was telling the disciples all the things that's going to happen. So tell somebody new. I started thinking, this is new. This is new. Always looking for next, but new. If you're not careful, you'll miss new looking for next. And we can't trade new for next because the Bible continues to talk about what is new. Behold, I do a new thing. Think about it from this standpoint, and again, of those 280, some of the most famous passages that have the word new in it, Lamentations 3, it says new. It uses the word new, Lamentations 3. Colossians 3 says, take off the old, put on the new. Ezekiel 36 says that there will be a new heart and a new spirit. Revelation 21 says, I will make all things new. I will make a new heaven and a new earth. Numbers 18 is most often used where it says there will be fresh oil and new wine. And Isaiah tells us, behold, I do a new thing. This biblical perspective that we're learning about and hearing about and fearing about taking over the world gives us the ability to do exactly what Jesus was talking about. Has it ever troubled you or bothered you or thought, you know, these things can't take place until everyone on earth has had the opportunity to hear the gospel. You heard that? For no one will be left behind if they didn't have the opportunity to hear about Jesus. How are we going to get in the most remote places? Is there going to be some huge revelatory thing that takes place in the sky? I don't know. But these scientists say that AI might be the vehicle that God actually uses to reach the most remote places of the earth. These robots that can go places that we can't. Maybe that's how God's gonna use it. So don't miss next. Don't miss new looking for what is next. I, I say it this way, and y'all gotta excuse me, you know me well enough by now. Don't miss Chewy's looking for Taco Bell. Don't miss hot now Krispy Kreme looking for a munchkin. Understand, we've got to embrace the new. We've got to embrace the next generation, Generation Z. Generation Alpha. We've got to figure out how to lead them because it's becoming their world. It's no longer our world. Mom and dad are here. We just celebrated my mom's 80th birthday. Can you give her?
Where, where did we celebrate? Somebody said, where did we celebrate? At the Genesis house of tea. But Matthew 24 is very resemblant of what's taking place, and the disciples are asking a lot of questions. They're unsure about the future. They got all these questions, and we have to realize that new is different. Next can be the same. Tomorrow, you may do what you did today. Next week, you may do what you go to the same job, sit at the same desk, look at the same computer screen. Next can be the same. But we have to embrace behold. I'm doing a new thing. Forget all that. Look at what I'm doing right now in this moment that is new to you, that you should not fear or be scared of. You should embrace that which is new. Well, how do we do that, Rich? I'm glad you asked. There's only two ways we can do that. We can study this word and we can pray. And I'll tell you, I've said this all my life. There's a lot of people that are a lot smarter, a lot of people that got more gifts and talents, a lot of people. I, to, I told Torrance Farmer down here when, when Pastor Nathan said, tell somebody they look good, I looked at Torrance Farmer, I said, you look good. And he said, you look good. I said, you're a liar, <laughs> but I love you. You know, a lot of people better looking. A lot of people can do a lot of things, but any achievement, any thought, any promotion that's ever taken place in my life has come through prayer. For he equips the unequipped and trains the untrained and puts you in places that you never would have achieved or thought of. But that's the story of how God operates. So why do we pray? How do we pray? Well, praise always comes first. Why do we do praise and worship before we hear the word? Because it sets the atmosphere. We have pre-service prayer. We come in, then we have praise and worship, setting the table for whatever's going to be shared from the word. Praise always comes first. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So I may not be as good looking as Torrance, but I'm fearfully and wonderfully made because his works are wonderful. Praise always comes first. Get up every morning and start praising. Don't get up and look at social media and see who you're going to be mad at today. Get up and thank God that you got another day of life to make a difference in somebody else's life. How else do we pray? Praise precedes petition. It's Christmas time. Everybody's online looking to see what they want to get for somebody or get from somebody. It's not... <laughs> It's not, it's not time for your Christmas wish list when you go to God. Your praise should always, you should always open a prayer saying, before we ask you for anything, we thank you for everything. Praise precedes petition. Always praise him before you ask him for anything. The Lord's Prayer, I've taught you this before. The Lord's Prayer has six praise phrases before it ever says, give us this day, our daily bread. Six times, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Recognizing his deity, understanding who the person of God is. Before we ever say give, I, you know, we, we can't go to God and pray and say, oh, God, you got to help me. 
You got to do this. You got to do that. No, no, no. We need to start out always praising him, giving him glory for what he has done for us. Praise precedes petition. Praise always comes first. Praise him for what he's doing. Praise him for what he's done in the past. Praise him for what he's doing in your present situation. It's not real good right now, Rich. You don't understand. This, this thing's bad. I, I, I lost my job. I got no money. I got issues. I, praise him anyway. Thank him for what he has done in your past and what he is doing in your present. There's more good than bad. If you're here today, there's more good than bad. Maybe you're here with a lot of needs, and we're going to pray for you, and you're going to get a breakthrough today. Amen? But praise him for your present situations. Praise him for the now. Say now. And praise him for the new. Say new. Behold, I do a new thing. Some of you need a new thing. You need to get out of the old thing. You need to take off the old and put on the new. Praise enters us into his presence. Praise confuses the enemy. You got to think Satan was sitting there saying, why is Job not cursing God and die? Why ain't Job listening to his wife? What is wrong with Job? Taking everything he's got, he's all swelled up. He looks terrible. He's in pain. And he's still, what is that? The enemy had to be confused. The enemy had to be confused when, when David went to Ziklag, lost everything, burned to the ground, and he turned that, that whining into worship. And when the whining became worship, he won. The enemy had to be confused thinking, I, I got man after God's own heart, whatever. He had to be thinking that way. He had to get confused. So when your situation stinks, praise him anyway. Give the Lord praise in your prayer time. Don't give up. Keep fighting because it confuses the enemy. But Job was focused on the now. He was focused on the future. And you know the story because he did it the right way. He got double in the end. Amen. Praise provides purpose. Praise provides purpose for your pain. Anybody ever gone through anything? We've all gone through stuff. We've all gone through trials and tribulations, but we got to turn those things into triumphs. The way that you do that is through your praise to the one most holy, the only one that deserves it. Praise pleases the Prince of Peace. Want to live a life that's pleasing unto God. Want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Praise pleases the Prince of Peace. Seek to praise him and watch what he'll do. Praise, oh, excuse me, perfect perfection is achieved through practice. You want to be good at prayer? You want to get breakthroughs? Do it more often. Practice it. You can't play in the game last, well, the Vols didn't play at all yesterday, but Let's have a moment of prayer for the balls. <laughs> God, you're sovereign, but I don't know what you're doing in Knoxville. We need you to help us because my wife's a Georgia fan. It was not fun last night. And you know, I had to repent for some things I said as I was preparing to pray because she said some things that she needs to repent from. But pride comes before the fall. And I don't know if we can fall any further than we are right now. <laughs> the 
Praise provides power and perseverance. It prepares you for the victory. It gets you ready. Every great work of God was preceded by prayer. Any feat that a man or a woman did came through prayer and preparation. What do you mean? Esther prepared for a year for one night with the king, thus saving an entire generation of the Jews. You think she wasn't praying? I think she was praying the whole time. Yeah, oils and scents and, and all that stuff and preparing, but God, you've got to help me because if this doesn't work, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill my people. A year for one night with the king. It's preparation that provides separation. It changed everything. She did not miss now. She did not miss new looking for what was next. 29 years of marriage, my wife and I pray together every night. For 29 years, without exception, we'll embrace, hold hands, touch in some way, shape, or form, and say, Lord, let, let us love each other more tomorrow than we did today. Prepare, prepare for what is next and not missing what is now. God's power is greater than your past. Don't undervalue the power that lies in your prayer life. Don't undervalue the power that you get from Jesus when you praise God and all the things that you do. The Bible says that anyone in Christ is a new creation. Doesn't matter what others say, it only matters what God says. Mark 14, 38 says, not my will, but thine be done on heaven and earth. We need to pray. We need to pray, people. We need to pray. We need to pray for our government. That's a big decision if Tennessee does that. That's a big decision when we send funding to other countries. It's a big decision when people in government take sides on this Israel-Palestine thing. It's a big decision. There's a lot going on in the world, in the spirit realm. There's a lot going on in the atmosphere. We've got to pray when we can't, we can't sign up for a tanning bed when you're 14, but we, can, we can't tell our parents, we gotta tell our teachers if we got gender dysphoria. We go to our teachers in the school to tell them that you wanna be a girl when you're a boy, and we, they can't tell our parents. We need to pray. Culturally, we need prayer. We need God to step in. Above all, we gotta seek wisdom through our prayer. Solomon asked for wisdom and just because he asked for wisdom and wisdom alone, all these other things were added. The wealthiest man in the Bible. Things he didn't even ask for. What are we doing about the now? Are you fully engaged and able to embrace the new? Can you grab that concept? Can you skip past the next just for a minute to embrace the now? Embrace the new. Behold, I do a new thing. Yes, 58 years, Rich, I've carried you. I've brought you through a lot of things, but forget all that. Because I'm about to do a new thing. I'm about to do something special. And I'm speaking right now to you personally, but I'm speaking to the church. This is, this is our time as a church. This is our time to reach more people, to feed more people, to wrap more Christmas presents, to tell people that we love them more than we ever have before. You can clap. Give the Lord praise. 
It's our time to expand. It's our time to get better. It's our time to reach more people online. It's our time to reach more people with multiple campuses. Four years ago when I started here, there was no Athens campus. God gave us that church. There was no Cleveland campus. God gave us that church. And if you're not here next week, you're going to miss a big announcement about the next campus because PK is going to tell you about the next campus coming in early 2024 next week. Well, what's it going to be? I don't know, but it's going to be new. It's going to be a new opportunity for us to reach new people. And you will be a part of it because it's under the RTTN umbrella. I got more. I, I, I told you I had an unbelievable experience, and this whole new thing just got all up on me, and I, I started thinking, I got I to gotta figure out what's new. What does that mean? God is doing something new. Take off the old and put on the new. And I'm praying that you're getting what I'm getting, what I'm saying, because it's important that we understand now and new, because those two come before next. Stand with me. I gotta, I, I'm going to let you go early today. It was October 26th. Two thousand eighteen. October twenty sixth, two thousand eighteen. Put that in your mind. Five years and one month ago. October twenty sixth, twenty eighteen. This word was spoken over this house by one of the most trusted voices in your pastor's lives, one of the most trusted voices to the body of Christ in America, and one of the most trusted voices worldwide. To the body of Christ. If you got something to write with or you take notes on your phone, you need to take this down. This is the most important thing I've said today. It's the thing I've been waiting to get to. It's the thing I've spent 40 minutes developing and it was spoken over this house five years ago by one of the most incredible preacher, teachers, apostles, bishops, whatever you want to call him, that you could ever hear a word of the Lord from. But he stood in this altar right here, pacing back and forth. And here's what he said. You've gone as far as you can with your current tools. You've gone as far as you can with your current tools. You will be good at it. You will be new at it, but you will be good at it, so do not fear the new thing. I will put you in the room with people that you want to be in the room with, and I want you to be nervous because you are about to make new wine, but you are not to drink it. You are to stay humble, and if you stay humble, my servant, I will blow your mind. You will give it all, say all. You will give it all to others, and you will drink none of it. For when you give it all away and drink none of it, then I will give you 
vineyards that you never grew. Bishop T.D. Jakes at Ruach Conference five years ago. New wine. Say new wine. New vineyards. Good at it. New at it, but good at it. He said, basically, God's saying, we're going to give you things you didn't earn. Put you in rooms that you may not feel you belong in. Give you opportunities that you didn't even ask for. That's happened for this church. There was no Athens campus. There was no Chattanooga or Cleveland campus. There was no campus. We'll tell you about next week. Our online audience was minimal compared to what it is now. God's done that for this church, but I ask you today, do you want him to do that for you personally? You want to be in rooms that you've always aspired to be in, that you thought you didn't belong in, that you thought you didn't earn your way into? Favor's not fair. God can do all that for you with one snap of a finger. Are we too busy looking for next that we miss what is now, what is new? God's stretching some of you today. He's challenging you to step out on faith. He's challenging you to embrace new, and new is a little uncomfortable. Bishop Jake said this, and it blew my mind that he said it this way, I want you to be nervous. Man, that's, that's, that's odd, Bishop. It's a God of peace. Holy Spirit's our comforter. He's our counselor. He said, no, no, I want you to be nervous. I want you to give it all away because when you give it all away, I'm going to give you everything you've ever wanted that you didn't earn, nothing that you worked for. Can anybody claim that personally? If that's what you want, you have to understand, behold, I do a new thing. All those things I did for your number of years, forget all that. I'm going to do something new, and it's going to blow your mind. Receive that today. Understand that today. In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come down and pray. But the most important scripture today, Chad, if you could put up 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Some of you need to take off the old and put on the new. Some of you need to forget all that in your past because it's not good. Some of you need to forget all that that you did yesterday, that you did last night last week. You need to forget all that. Take off the old and put on the new. Some of you have walked with Christ and walked away from Christ, and it's time to walk back to Christ. Today's your opportunity because it says this. This means that anyone, say anyone, who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Close your eyes and bow your head. Pastor Richie, I've heard what you said, and I came in here with some baggage. I may have had a time when I was walking with God. I've walked away from God, need to walk back to God, or you know what? I, it's my first time here. I don't know what's going on in this place, but something's going on in my heart right now. I need a new heart. I need a new, renewed spirit. I need something that I don't have right now 
and I need it to be new and fresh. If I'm speaking to you right now with all heads bowed, eyes closed, would you just raise your hand? Say, I need it. I need it. I need it. I need it. Hands down. If you really need it, would you take the next step and be bold enough to come down and let us pray with you? Because I got confidence in these men and women down here that they can lead you in a prayer that will give you what you need, what you raised your hand for to receive. Welcome them to the altar. Welcome them to the altar. Hands were raised all over the audience. Would you be bold enough to say, I need it. I need it. I need to feel new because old is not working for me. I need a new start, Rich. I need it. I want to embrace the new. Thank you, Lord. As our prayer team is praying with them, and they keep coming. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I wonder if there's anybody out there that says, I need a new start in what I'm doing in my life, in my calling, in my career, in my purpose. I love Jesus. I'm doing my best to live for the Lord, but I... I need a new start in some areas of life. Whatever that may be, it may be in marriage, it may be in, in your children, wayward children, it may be in your work, maybe a lot of things. And we're not saying that you're not saved and gloriously saved and covered by grace and mercy, but maybe you just need a new start personally. And today you want a new start. You want to embrace new. You want to do something new. And new will set the pathway for next. If that's you, come down and join us and let us pray with you as well. We're going to take just a moment because it's important. I need new. I can't look past new because I'm looking at next. I need new and I need it now. As we continue to pray, keep coming, please keep coming, keep coming. Got plenty of prayer workers. May need some RSM students to step up and help us pray. Continue to pray in the altar. To those of you out there, I just want to say this, and I want to pray over you. Behold, I do a new thing. All those things in the past, forget about them, good and bad, because he's doing a new thing. And this is an easy message right now because we're headed into a new year. But some of us want to claim some, some new things in the new year. If that's you, I just want you to stretch your hand this way and let me pray a prayer of blessings over you. We'll dismiss you and you can stay as long as you want. You can leave immediately or whenever you want. We're gonna have some worship music. But let me just pray over you. Lord, we just thank you. 
We come to you always praising you first. We praise you for who you are. We praise you for what you've done. We praise you for the moment that we're in right now. We praise you for now. We praise you for new and we praise you for next. Lord, we don't need anything, God, but we want you to step in and bless us. We need you to step in and bless us and show us your glory. May we know you in a way that we've never known you before. May the new year be our best year. Somebody claim that. The new year will be your best year. In all aspects of life, you're gonna be great health, long life, peace, joy, the abundant life. A closer intimacy with Jesus Christ. An intimacy with the Holy Spirit like you've never felt before. A prayer language for those of you that have never experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit. God, bless us on our jobs. Bless our children. Let them be the best students in the best schools. Let them set a shining example for others. Let us be better spouses, better husbands, better wives, better parents, better fathers, better mothers. God, we thank you in advance. We give you all praise and glory. And Father, above all right now, we ask you for wisdom. We seek your wisdom. We seek clarity of the mind. We seek discernment. We ask that you put us in the rooms that we could never get in ourselves. Let us be influencers to the influencers. God, we claim these things and we ask you and we give you praise in advance for all that you are doing in the now. We embrace the new and we thank you for what is next. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Have a blessed week.